Okay, let's go ahead and get started so that we can take advantage, take full advantage of the time that we have. Um, with our, our speaker today is Kathy Tinsley. She's a professor of management at um, Georgetown University. Um, uh, Kathy has been a colleague of many of ours at Harvard through her work, um, starting with her work on negotiation. Um, some very important work, for instance, about what, you know, what is your reputation as a negotiator matter um, as you're trying to make deals. And, and then um, in the last decade, really, right, you've been really involved in this gender research, and so has been a, a colleague around that. I, uh, one thing you would not, a couple things that you'll not read in her bio, but that I would like to share with you, that Kathy really came to um, these gender issues as an academic who was being approached by practitioners who were really, like female executives who said, well, you know, help us, you know, we want to, we, we've got these issues, we're trying to figure them out, help us, you know, have conversations, have a conference and things, and it was really getting excited about how to solve problems that brought her into this, and I also happen to know that, um, that she kept the conversations going um, with students, even though she kept getting a message from her previous dean saying, you know, I really don't think this is exactly on mission or what you need to be focused on. And she said, no, but that's, this is what I believe in. And so Kathy is really someone who's stuck by this issue, both as a scholar, but also very genuinely in her teaching and her outreach. And um, we're just thrilled to have you here today to talk about um, Gendered corporate board, so I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much. Oh, and I'm supposed to announce that we are the seminar is being recorded and may be posted to Harvard's YouTube uh, channel because they said you want to take that into account. Yeah. Yeah. So then maybe I probably shouldn't say this next thing, but just since you brought it up, and um, as people that know me know, I'm I sometimes say things I necessarily shouldn't say, but actually the exact quote that the dean had to me when we were having this conversation about you know these, these issues and what the whether I should be studying them or not. And he said, you know, the problem with you, Kathy, is just that you're too goal-oriented. It's like you see a goal and you have this mission and then you just walk all over tables and chairs, whatever it takes to get that goal. And I thought, oh my god. <laughs> we so need research on gender here. <laughs> like if, I just thought, like, if I was a guy, would you be saying this to me? You know, you, know you never know. You never know if you would have or not. But it sort of seemed to me that that fit a lot with some of the research that I'd been reading about how women are supposed to be sort of communal and caregiving and not have their own individual goals, you know, and go after them. But this is a very different talk than that, and I'm actually, um, I'm delighted to be giving this talk. I uh, had a choice between a couple of different research projects, and my first thought was to choose something that was sort of mature, um, so that you guys could see how smart I was. You know, I could sort of demonstrate <laughs> to you that I was smart. Um, but then my second thought was, no, you know, now that you're almost 50, you have to put all those insecurities aside, and actually get help from all the smart people that are in the room. So this is a research talk that is, it's the first time I've given this, and it's a very, very new project. So I literally am still analyzing data. There's no paper or anything yet. But I thought this is actually a perfect time to get some feedback from really smart people about what I should be doing next. So I'm delighted to be doing this. So these first slides are really just sort of setting up the issue, which all of you guys know, which is that women are making up a, a large number of the population in the database, um, but there's still very few women that are making it to the penthouse, if you will, to the boards, to the top um, senior executives. So this is data in the US, this is just data from Catalyst, and so you can see you know, roughly 50%, 50, over 50% in the management and professional fields, but 16% of board seats, 4% um, of CEOs, 
the other C-suite, I think, is um, about 8%, although you guys probably know that data better than I do. Um, this is just the recent Talus data. It's across different countries as well. Looks kind of, this, the pyramid kind of looks the same across different countries. Um, and uh, what I, this, is, this was actually a very interesting graphic for me. My data is all in the U.S., but I did want to show that there are some countries that are, of course, doing better on corporate boards, and a lot of that has to do with laws, right? They've passed laws that are mandating quotas, or there's a lot more um, uh, penalty if you don't have a lot of women on your corporate boards. And so I sort of want to talk about this in the end, about whether that's the way to go or not, because the data is really mixed on that. You know, it's also showing there's a, there's some research out there that shows that um, when you do have these laws, you're putting a lot of women on boards. They're stretched really thin. You know, you get one woman that's put on um, like 10 different boards. And there is, unfortunately, also um, some, some paper, uh, I think it was a, in the Journal of Finance, that showed that um, once they instituted, for example, quotas in, I'm not gonna remember which country now. Um, it might have been that the, uh, that the ROI went down, like the profitability of the companies went no. down. Uh -huh. Yeah, and so, so that's maybe, are they, there's a lot of reasons why that could be. You know, they're putting on women that are not mature yet, they're not quite ready. There's, like we said, a few women that are just getting spread too thin, et cetera. But I do wanna talk about this as a possible solution at the end. No, you go ahead, you go ahead. But can I throw out one thing? There's some really yeah. interesting new research, and I'm not sure it's like it's like in press, but it also shows that one thing that happens when you have more women on boards is that there are fewer things like like fewer layoffs. So one of the reasons why ah. their performance during times of economic downturn may not have been as good is in part because they weren't making as drastic cuts mm -hmm. in their employees. Mm -hmm. So that's just another it's a, just a yeah. good side to that yeah. bad mm -hmm. side. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sort of depends on what the what the objective function is, right? Of yeah, the firm. yeah. Is it profitability, or is it you know having the <coughs> providing livelihood for their yeah. employees? Okay. Um, yes. Mine's actually, I mean, the Miller paper, really great paper, yeah. but I have to share uh, a funny story with you, actually. Sure. On Norway. No, because we yeah. have Norway up there. So yesterday, we had the Prime Minister of Norway here, and Kenny School and I moderated a discussion. I don't know whether some of you were there. And Jens Stoltenberg, and he talked about the um, oil curse. So it had nothing to do with gender, but in his bio that was prepared for me, um, one of the roles that he had served in was, and he led the commission on uh, male roles in society. And I'm like, whoa. Uh, okay, well, let me talk to him before. And so I introduced him that way and said, and, and he actually then said, you know, literally that was his first public function, um, male roles in society. And then, you know, during the talk, he talked a lot, and it was really amazing, on gender equality and how important that is part of the culture and how, you know, we're like family. And he talked about everything on, you know, parental leave is for one year, but only if men take at least 14 weeks. And we I mean, just, he went on and on and on and talked about the quote and the whole thing. But it, I'm just sharing that with you because there's something about Norway. And this commission took place in the late 90s. So it's just quite amazing that a country would do something like mm -hmm. that and give this such, you know, importance. Mm -hmm. Okay, so have such a public dialogue about yeah. gender roles. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and um, yeah, the, we can go back to all, all of that because it is that is a really important component, I think, of part of this, um, and that unfortunately is not what I'm doing today. Uh, but I do think it all links in. So what what I'm doing today is actually um, 
Well, it, it actually could relate a little bit to gender roles and the, the distinctions that you make between men and women in society. That could actually be an underlying mechanism that could be explaining some of this phenomenon that we're finding. Um, so this is just um, this wonderful data set that we have. So one of my co-authors, Charles O'Reilly, oh, and I should have said I have three co-authors, Jim Wade, Charles O'Reilly, and Brian Main. And Charles O'Reilly has done a lot of um, consulting work and has access to this database that has 3,000 companies in it. It's the S&P 1500 plus like 1,500 other companies. It's this massive database um, that I'll explain in just a minute. But um, what I did was I just looked at, this is just raw numbers of the average number of board members, of all board members across all of the companies. So I'm not controlling for anything right now. And this is the average number of women. And so, for example, so boards have on average nine members, eight and a half members, and they have on average somewhere from 0.6 to about 0.9 women. You know, on average, right? This is on average. And again, I'm not controlling for anything. I'm not, I will be controlling for things in a minute. But what I just wanted to show you was, if you look at just a big snapshot, like it's not getting any better. Like we keep saying gender diversity, we gotta have more women on boards. And we've been saying this for a while, right? And so, but in the past decade, it really has not changed. Or it has not changed in any big numbers. And oh gosh, now I see all sorts of questions before I even get started, yes. Um, so last week there was a, an NPR segment um, looking at mostly uh, women who were graduating from technical fields like mathematics and physics and seeing uh, their, their uh, looking at, it was a researcher from actually George Washington, uh -huh. um, looking at whether or not they would move into managerial or, or CEO level type positions. And when they did a, a survey of different age groups, they saw that a lot of the women, even though they made 40% of math graduates or 50% of physics graduates, they didn't go past a certain level in their companies and it was by mm -hmm. choice and some of it was attributed to wanting to move from a private sector position or um, uh, more of a, a position with a lot of responsibility into something that was more service-minded. And then uh, the other part of it too was other considerations like family and whatnot. So I was just wondering in terms of, you know, even though there's been a big push for having women on boards, um, like, do you, is there that, right. uh, you know, that so component? So I think you're absolutely right. There's a bunch of supply side effects and there are a bunch of demand side effects. Right, and so supply side effects are women are checking out, mm -hmm. right? And I'll tell you actually, as so I ran, I read Anne Marie Slaughter's article. Have you guys read that in the Atlantic about how women can't have it all? Yeah. You know, I read that and I completely related. I am totally that woman on the microwave. I'm like one, one, one. I always do that. I, it scared me that I like. So when they were talking about how women have to save so much time that they don't push one minute because that requires going one zero zero. You do one, one, one when you have to heat something up on the microwave. So. As a for someone who is approaching 50 now with two kids that are in high school, I mean, I'm pretty tired. You know, I'm pretty burned. I, like, I can see why people are having other, other demands. And so, so I do think that that's part of it. I think that it's incredibly complicated why women are not reaching the top. And I just want to pull out one small piece of it with this research. I'm just pulling out one teeny, teeny piece. Yes, two more questions and then let me start. The shows that there's not a supply side problem. Oh. So I think people want to say there's a supply side problem, 
but there's not. Mm -hmm. So interesting. We, we, we've published that. You're very welcome. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we've got a lot of rhetoric about the need to promote women, and this isn't new rhetoric, right? This is rhetoric that we've heard. I remember when I was getting my PhD in 1995, there was this huge, big glass ceiling commission, and you know, all of the Kellogg MBA female students had these t-shirts that were like shattering the glass ceiling. And I know that we've talked about now that that might not be the right metaphor, but you know, this isn't new that we want this gender balance. Um, and so what is holding back the numbers if People do want it, and I actually believe that both women and men on boards do want uh, diversity. I mean, I've talked to these board members, and they're like, we really want to get women. Like, we're really trying hard to get women, and diversity is something that they're talking about all the time. But what I think might be holding people back is a subconscious heuristic that is a gender-matching heuristic. So this, again, I'm only trying to explain part of this big, huge puzzle. But I think a piece might be, um, in the context of board selection, when you're selecting from an array of candidates, uh, I think that there's a gender matching that goes on that's part of the status quo bias. It would be under, underlying it would be the status quo bias, which is, you know, things are working pretty well, why, would, why do we change? Such that if a man leaves, you're gonna replace it with a man. If a woman leaves, you're gonna replace it with a woman. So that, that there's a big, strong gender matching component. And again, underlying it is, I think, is the status quo bias, which basically says we like things the way they are because change is uncertain, and we know that people are averse to uncertainty. Also, when there's change, it could be positive change or negative change, and we know that losses loom greater than gains, so that negative change may become more salient. So. Um, these explanations, I will say up front, are something that I'm postulating that we have yet to demonstrate what exactly the underlying mechanism is. We're just, we've just demonstrated the phenomenon. So here's the two big hypotheses. The first is that um, if, you, if a female leaves, then you're more likely to replace it with a, a female incoming. And if a male leaves, you'll be more likely to replace it with a man. The second is because we think that this is mostly a subconscious bias, we think that under conditions of cognitive overload, so when you're more distracted, when you're cognitively busy, we'll see more gender matching than if you um, have the cognitive resources to do more deliberative processing. So I have um, one field study, which is this Equilar database, and then I have a ton of lab studies. And so um, can I just see a show of hands, like how many people uh, have worked in a lab, do lab studies? Oh, good, oh, good. I was hoping that there would be some. So um, uh, I, will, um, I will try to explain as thoroughly as possible what we did, but I really am interested in your feedback about what to do next, possibly in this context. So the field study is really just to motivate that this problem happens in the real world, and then I'm using the lab to try to understand why that phenomenon happens. So this is the database I was explaining to you before. Um, you can see the sample companies. It's a really diverse set of industries. So you have industries, um, I think I have it written down here. The um, average the average total assets is 8.7 billion, but it has a standard deviation of 7 billion. So I mean, these are this is just a massively broad set of companies, really small, really tiny, uh, to huge across all kinds of industries. So what we did first is we ran a conditional fixed effects logit. 
So what that means is we said, um, given that you're going to put somebody on the board, because you know boards don't always turn over every year, you don't always add somebody every year, but given that you're going to put somebody on the board, what is the probability that that, that person is going to be a woman? So that's the dependent variable, probability that the person will be a woman. And um, our control variables here are, is the size of the firm, so this is the natural log of the total assets, and just in general, when you're doing this kind of work, you use the natural log of this because it's such a skewed distribution. Um, so this is basically the size of the firm and the profitability of the firm. So as a control, we're controlling for the size of the firm and the profitability of the firm. And when I said it's a fixed effects logit, what that means is that we're looking, so remember there's 1,500 or 3,000 companies in this database. We're looking, we're controlling for the company. So we're basically asking within a company, so this is where you get this groups is 1570. Um, within a company, uh, if somebody leaves, what's the probability that the next person added <coughs> will be uh, female? Okay? And what you can see here is that um, there is indeed a significant effect for this is exit of a female director. So if a female director exits, it's um, significantly likely that she is going to be replaced by another female. And if a male exits, it's significantly likely that she is going to, that he is going to not be replaced by a female. Does that make sense to you guys? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you can tell me to speed up if I'm going too slow. Yes? So uh, the only question I have on that sort of the way that you framed it is uh, if you go back 20 years, there weren't even the females that you have on the board. So how do you yes. kind of, this is essentially looking at a real snapshot Correct. of the data set. So Correct. So I'm actually only, you're absolutely right. I'm only looking at 1,570 firms. So I'm looking at half of the data set. Because basically half of the data set probably doesn't have a woman on the board to start with. Or doesn't have a woman exiting, so I actually have to have I actually have to have some variance, right? There's also a different phenomenon, which is the putting a woman on board in the first place. Is what I'm saying. It's sort of a, a different phenomenon to break the pattern of a woman replacing a man, which is how you get to any women at all on board. That's right. So That's right. So this is actually, in my opinion, this is a little bit more of a conservative test of this gender matching. But you could agree, disagree with me, and that I'm saying, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric out there to have a woman. And so these are, these are, so I'm taking away all those boards where there isn't even any woman, yeah. right? And I'm saying these are already the boards that are sort of progressive. Yeah. And I'm still finding this effect that, um, that uh, if a, the, having a woman get put on, like a, a, big, a big explanatory variable is the fact that a woman exited. Right. And interestingly enough, if there are the number, the raw number of female directors on the board is negatively correlated to putting a woman on the board. And the raw number of male directors is positively related to putting a woman on the board. So it's almost like they've got this idea in their head, you know, that we're supposed to have this, you know, we've got a fixed number of seats here, 10, and okay, we've got one or two, that's good. I, I, you know, it's not, it, I, it's not definitive. But what I do like about this, this is all the data here. Then I had Jim run it, and by the way, if you have lots of, if you have really technical questions about this, I'm going to refer you to, to I'm going to take the questions for Jim, because I didn't run this data. Um, but I also had him run it if um, two people are exiting. So I didn't want this to just be the effect of, we have one woman on the board, she's gone, oh my god, we've got to get another one. I didn't want it to just be that effect. So this is when two 
women are exiting. And you see now our observations, we only have 395 firms now in the data set. So our observations drop. When two people are exiting, um, you can see again, this is uh, positive. And then if um, more than two people are exiting, which again, we drop our, our sample now to only 278 firms, but again, you get this positive effect. Okay, questions, Matt. So, so you could get the, the exact effects you're describing if boards were simply avoiding being womenless, so avoiding zero. Do you have a sense of if a board go, is, is, is a potentially going from two to one, whether you still get the matching or not? When, so, so um, the board has two females, two females right? and one leaves. And one leaves. Do you still, do you, do you still I get? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know, what I can tell you is if they have one and that female leaves, <laughs> then I know that right. I've taken that out of the data set. It's not just that. It's not just that. Right. Okay, so what you want me to do, yeah, and that makes sense, is that they have, when they're going from two to one, is it a big effect? talk a little bit about your observations around the companies. Is it that we have a bunch of really progressive co uh, companies with six women on the board, but the average is just under one because there are so many who don't have any? I mean, is there, can you talk about groupings yeah. in your data? So I didn't analyze this data, so I'm not as familiar with it as I am with the data that I'm going to show you in a minute. Um, so I did, I've done some quick looks at the data, and I'm actually surprised that I see some, I actually found a company that had six women on it. Um, you know, uh, six board women, six, six women on the board. Um, but I would say that, uh, so that, that surprised me, but I would say that most of them seem to have, um, you know, two. It yeah, seems more one, answer. actually that's not true, it's not, it's not yeah. two, it's not two, it's one, I'm so sorry. It's, it's there's a fundamental difference here because you know, the behavior is different, decision making is different when you have more women. Um, and so is this token having a woman so that we don't have not a woman? Or, or is this, there a small group of, of companies that could potentially jive, you know, we could put up as best practice and say this is, they have a higher ROI or yeah. uh, you can make some links between having more women on the board and best performance. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And um, I'm hoping that when I get to the lab study, we'll, we'll see more of, we'll see, um, we can pick apart a little bit more of these effects. or age or ethnicity? Of the board members? Yeah. Is there a similar status quo? So we actually ran a race one because we were kind of interested in that. And we found um, suggestive evidence of that, but we just didn't have the high enough base rate to get anything statistically significant. And could you do it for, for example, say that you have a technical company and you have a couple of engineers and a couple of management people or something like that? You could do so I'd have to see if the... So we could infer that, yeah. But I don't, I don't, I, that's something that I can't do quite as easily. Yeah, it could be done, but not quite as easily. I, I could lend you the data maybe. <laughs> yeah. Something we probably can't do, but would be interesting to know is whether or not, uh, who, who's making the decision as to who the new board members are? 
you know, is there a nominating committee and who's on that nominating committee? Because we know that when you have women on nominating committees, they're more likely to reach out to their own networks and call people in, whereas if it's just all men, they'll reach out to the networks where you're most likely to be men. Right. And now this is going to get to some of the stuff that we're going to talk about at the end in the lab stuff about what, what are some things that maybe could be put in place in order to enhance the probability that anybody would select a woman. Okay. So let me just move to that, if, if I could. Um, so here are a bunch of studies that we've done running M um, using mTurk. And I don't know if you guys have ever used mTurk to get lab. Oh, my God. It's like crack. I mean, I just, it's, like, you know, it's so addictive because it's so easy to get data. You know, you're just like, ooh, let's tweak this now and run it again. Oh, let's tweak this and run it again. Um, so what we did is we had participants um, act as board members. They were chair of the nominating committee with the task of selecting the replacement for a departing male or female board member. And they were told it was a nine-member board. They were given the composition of the board members in general. They were told that there were three females and two males, excuse me, three females and six males on the board. So why do we make it so gender imbalanced? Because remember, these are MTurk people, and so they're not board people. So to them, you know, a balance might look like three six. I was sort of worried if I did one eight that I wouldn't quite get the effects. And I want to get, I want to establish an effect, then I want to tweak with the paradigm to see how the effect changes. Um, so they were told that the, uh, the age of the board members ranged from 45 to 68. The functional areas, they just were told there's a variety of different functional areas, and we're given some examples of them. The board experience was um, five to 17 years, and the number of other boards that these board members sat on was anywhere from one to five. And they were given resumes of candidates, a third of which were female and two thirds of which were male for the candidates. That kind of sort of, sort of messed it up a little bit. All right, so here's what they actually said. Uh, here's what they actually read. You're a board member of a large publicly traded company. The board meets once every quarter. Um, you're also the chair of the board's nominating committee, so that means that you have to respect the replacement for any vacancy. By company charter, it's nine members. Three of these are internal, meaning that they serve with company officers. I mean, you had to explain everything, right? I, want, I didn't want to take any knowledge for bringing in. Um, and then you read, Stephen Brooks or Stephanie Brooks, one of the external board members, is departing, and your task is to select a replacement. To help you select a new board member, the company has hired a team of recruiters to review possible candidates. Their resumes are summarized on the next screen. Your job is to select the, select the candidate whom you think will work best with the remaining board members. To help in your selection, it may be useful to know about this current board. Um, it's typical of those in the industry, and then it gives the, the composition of, of the board, like I showed you before. So then they click to the next screen, and they're given the resumes. Um, and then they're asked, whom do you select? And so this was actually a two by three by three by three. Um, so we randomly varied the, um, the title that they were given, you know, the functional area that they came from. We randomly varied the company name, because I didn't want any, I wasn't sure if anything was gonna influence their decision making. These were all fictitious companies, but you never know what's gonna influence things. And we randomly varied the order of the candidates. So sometimes Ellen was first, sometimes she was second, sometimes she was third. And then, um, I, so that was the three by three by three. And then the two was that the person that was departing was either a female or a male. So it's a really complicated, overly complicated design. Um, but I just wanted to be sure that nothing was influencing their board selection. I was really kind of risk averse. Um, and then, so here where it says field random age, one, two, three, so you just program 
um, Qualtrics to randomly select a number from 45 to 68, what I told them the age range was. So it randomly selected a number for the age, a number for the years of board experience that matched the field, and um, a number for the number of other boards that they currently serve on. Yes? Did you purposely keep the distribution, uh, gender distribution in the pool identical to the gender distribution on the board? Did well, I understand correctly that you had a third female candidates and a third female board members? Yes. Because that could be pool matching rather than gender matching. Right. So uh, I'm going to get to that in a minute. And I varied it. Ah, yeah. Um, so I don't know if I was purposely doing it this way or if I kind of was like, all right, yeah, this feels right. This sort of feels like the right number of women and men to have in the candidate pool. So, but I am going to vary that in, in a little bit. Uh, so then they were asked why. So it's actually, actually it's a great question, by the way, now that I think about it. Because that, that was something that I obviously was not conscious of, that I've, I've matched it there so that they're just, they're thinking, they're looking two-thirds, one-third, and then they're thinking, okay, two-thirds, one-third, we've got to match that up. Very possible, very, very possible. Um, so uh, they were asked why, then rate the extent to which they thought about any of these things, and then they were given an attention filter, how many board members were there total, a manipulation check, what was the gender of the departing board member. 98% of the people got these things right, so I just kept all the data in. And then they were given, um, they gave their demos, like their age, et cetera. So this is who they are, They're, they were 70% male, um, which surprised me, but then in running a bunch of other MTRIC stuff, I actually am finding that it's usually between 60 and 70% male that do it. 78% um, white, this is the age, but huge standard deviation. 54% had completed their college degree. 50% made above 50,000, which that really surprised me. Um, at least they said they did. 45% uh, Democrat. So this is just the basic statistics. So this is saying if a male leaves or a female leaves, um, do you select a male or do you select a female candidate? And so you'll see that when we have just these three resumes, that there actually is a pretty significant um, overall effect for pick, pick, picking a woman. So regardless of who left, 58% of them chose a woman regardless of who left. So it's kind of saying, I think, in the MTurk sample that three to six doesn't really feel like a good mix. So we're gonna, we wanna put more women on the board. Um, so again, we're taking this sort of as the baseline and then we're gonna compare a whole bunch of other stuff to this. But what you do see is you see, so when a male leaves, it's like, I don't know. So it seems like though when a female leaves, it triggers a gender matching. So when a female leaves, they're significantly more likely to put a female on the board. So um, this is, this is uh, significant, the chi-squared at 0.059, so it's mostly significant. But then um, when I asked them what they were keying in on, like what was really important, they said, oh, what we, the reason I was choosing was either because of the candidates um, board experience, because of the number of other board boards that the candidate was on, or because of their functional area. So this is what they think they're using. And you can see candidate gender and gender mix are pretty low down. Um, and so then what I did is I did a binary logit where what I, so the dependent variable is do you choose a female or not? 
And here is a demographic model. So this is the demographics. You know, these are the control variables: the the gender of the participants, whether they're white or not, whether they have a college degree or not, whether they're Republican, whether they're making over 50k. These are the um, these are the control variables. This isn't even what they say they're using. They didn't say they were using age, but they said they were using experience and board. And I wanted to see if they were. They said they were using functional area, but they weren't because I'm sorry, I forgot to say this. There were no differences across any of the three by three by three conditions. Like when I put in functional area, there was no big difference. When I put in, you know, order of their resumes, there was no difference. So I just collapsed across all that data. Um, so even when you control for what they say they're doing, which is the experience and the board, so they are using those, but even when you control for what they say they're doing, there is a pretty big effect for the fact that a female departed. I'm putting a female on. Just one second and I'll get to your question. Let me just finish all the data here. And then remember we open, we asked this open-ended why, why are you doing this? So we coded those for any of the reasons that they could have at, um, put on, the age, the board experience, the other boards. Then if they mentioned gender, we coded whether they were saying gender diversity as, a, as increasing the raw number of women. So whether they said something like, well, there need to be more women on boards, or I just want a woman, I just want another one on there, something like that. Or whether they were saying matching. And matching was, well, a woman left. So I had to put on a woman, or, or a man left, so I had to put on a man. Or then any other mention of gender that wasn't specifically diversity or gender matching. There were no differences in these um, three codes, these three categories, by whether a man or a woman left. But there were some differences when uh, in the gender category. So what you can see here is that um, when a male leaves, so this is when a male departs, is all this data here. And this is when a female departs, is all this data there. So when a man leaves, well, first of all, let me say, most of the data, 70% of the data made no mention of gender whatsoever. So 64 plus 53, you add that together and you take the total of 166. So, and I think, I calculated, I think it was 70%. Yeah, 70%. Okay. You, um, you're very, you almost never, you never mention it, sorry, you never mention it when, okay, sorry, let me back up a minute. Gender diversity, um, so we need to add more women to the board. Gender diversity is mentioned um, when a man leaves and when a woman leaves. So. There, these, these numbers themselves aren't going to be significantly different from each other. But the gender matching, which is uh, either a man left, so I have to add a man, or a woman left, so I have to add a woman. There was one case when uh, it was a male that was leaving, that he had to add a male. And there were 18 cases where when a woman was leaving, you wanted to replace it by a woman. So if you add this one and this 18 together, so 19, 19 divided by the total of 166 is, so 11% of the time they're actually saying gender matching. So we're seeing this phenomenon in the data, but only 11% are they conscious, does it appear that they are consciously declaring it? And then 95% of the time it's when it's a woman, okay? So there, it does, there does seem a little bit of evidence that it's subconscious. Now I'm about to show you, I realize I'm sort of running out of time, I'm about to show you some data that supports that a little oh, no, bit no, more. No, no, you're good because you have until the top of the hour. Oh, 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 good. Oh, good, 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 good. I thought I had until 1230. No, no, oh, you're okay. Good, good, good. Am I reading that correctly?
said that gender diversity was important in reappointing a man, and only nine women said gender diversity was re uh, important in reappointing a woman. So, um, so when a, so when a man leaves, if the male if it was Stephen Brooks that was departing, and if they put on a woman to replace the man, thirteen times they said, thirteen of the okay, participants so they said okay. they were putting a woman on exactly. So oh, it's only when the female are selected okay. that they that All they right. make any mention of diversity, okay. and they don't always have to be okay. saying something like a female diversity. They just have to say the word diversity or say something like we needed more women on the board. Okay. They never said we need more men on the board. I was confused. I, I read who selected us, who the participants were, who were responding. Oh, Did you oh, have oh, any oh. measure as to the gender of the participants and how they responded to um, this? Yes, so that's on this slide, and actually there's no significant effect for gender, but on all, and all my other studies, I think there is. So it does start to become significant. It's interesting. It does become significant, as you would expect, when it's a woman, uh, a woman participant, they're more likely to add a woman. Um, but it was, actually, it's just a little funny aside. So it was coming up um, negative for women, and I was, I was really confused. I was like, all right, well, maybe women don't want other women on there. But it was also coming up positive for Republican. I'm like, how is that possible? And it was that positive for Republican, I probably shouldn't say this, but you know, in DC we're always political, that really pissed me off so much that I investigated further. I'm like, why is this happening? And then I realized that what SPSS does is it, it uh, makes the secondary, so if you have a zero one variable, it makes the second one the, the uh, reference category instead of the first one. So it, I had to reprogram it to make the first one my gender category so that my signs then were the correct as you would want to interpret them. Yes, Max. Can you go to the next slide? Yeah. Um, no, there was another slide that we saw from the experiment. Uh, that's the, just the basic yeah. stuff? No. Uh, no. Um, the one that I, yeah, that, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the data is fa fascinating, but you use the term gender matching. And so I think, I think a better de description is the role that the number of women on our board shouldn't go down. Because, uh, so if it was uh, gender matching, the 50% uh, above is awfully high. Again, I had two males to pick from, one female, and 50% of the time I'm picking a, a, a female when a male leaves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're right. right. You're right. Um, I will show. Yeah. So I can't wait to. I want to show. I would love your interpretation as I get to other data, because then I'm seeing more in this. I'm seeing more matching, but that could be because I've got I've over cognitively overloaded them. But I, I agree with you that that's, that's the rule that matches this data better. I, I agree with you there. Yes. One more slide. Um, is that, am I reading it right, that they had an average age of 30 yeah. in a standard division? So I think that's incredibly important because that's not who's choosing boards. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. Uh, but no, 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 not to be, a, I'm not, I think it's, it's very positive because it means that maybe change will come demographically. Because this seems to be better data oh, than the data oh, of right. who's currently choosing. Right. So they seem to have more of a kind of a justice nerve around there should be more women. Uh, they're, yeah. they're much higher than one in nine. Yeah. They're saying three yeah. in six is not enough. Yeah. But they're a much younger demographic. Although age didn't have any significant effect in either participant. Um, we'll see if later it does. I don't remember all of the. Can you explain the data? I'm just understanding that slide then. So age of participants. Oh, I'm sorry. So this is a this is when the age of the participant is enter, entered as an independent variable, and the dependent variable is are you likely to choose a or did you choose a woman? So within a group of 30 to 30, like for the standard age of nine, it's a younger. I understand what you're saying. And 23 year olds. 
I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yes. So relatively young sample. Yes, I totally get what you're saying. Yes. Yes. gender that's possible that's possible and that would be that that's something to investigate um, so but what I um, okay let me go let me just move on to my next step so then what I wanted to do though was I wanted to say okay if they are now choosing from six candidates because this is actually what some of the literature suggests in fact I was just reading a report from um, Spencer Stewart this headhunting firm and they were like okay what we really need to do is get lots of people in the pool you just have to have a big pool of candidates that you're choosing from. And so I wondered, you know, if you have more people in the pool, would this go, go away? Or on the other hand, would it be even more of an effect because, um, you know, they're kind of cognitively overloaded? So first, though, I wanted to do a pretty, because I didn't want to do a six by six by six, you know, I had to vary title and, and order and all that kind of stuff. I just did a pretest to determine whether the order of the resumes, the company name, and the functional area of the person being selected had any um, systematic influence. And so what they did is they just chose from six resumes, candidate A, B, C, D, F, so there was no gender information. And each candidate was, of course, yoked to a specific order. So if candidate A was always first, candidate B, candidate C, and they, and no one candidate dominated the logistic regressions on this showed that people tended to select candidates based on board experience and the number of other boards. So in other words, what they say they're using was pretty much what they were using when there was no gender information at all. Um, so then um, I ran study three, where you have, instead of this three, do I have a, no, I don't have a slide of it. But basically, instead of these three, you had six. You had six on the same screen, and um, then with the button down below of who do you want to select with the names there. And they had, you know, they had the same, same amount of information about each candidate. <coughs> and um, and so now these are what we see, which was actually in this sample. So here's the, again, so the, the samples are pretty well matched. So 30, 30 years old, this, was, this happened to be 60% male. But this is, this is pretty much 45% Democrat, about 50% making over 50K. It's pretty well matched with the things with the prior study. So this is the basic statistics that we get now. So when a male leaves, 65% of them chose another male. And when a woman left, 53% chose a female. And overall, now, 56% are choosing a male, so there's really I mean, this is almost 50-50. Um, and this is <laughs> almost 50-50. So 
So now I'm a little bit confused. So when they're more overloaded, then they do seem to be doing some gender matching, but now it's really more with the men than with the women. And if I could just move on to show you a little more data, it gets a little murkier. So this is why I sort of feel like I'm, I'm, I, I would love to have input. Um, so th this is just the same thing. They say they're using the board experience um, and the other board memberships. So when you put in the demographics and what they say they're using, um, we do now see an effect for uh, gender that more women, if you're a female participant, you're more likely to add a woman. But so now, so when you put in the demographics and what they say they're using, we, we get this um, depart female as a, um, a significant effect, which, which basically says if a woman leads, you're more likely to add a woman, controlling for everything else, controlling for who they are and controlling for what they say they use. Um, you don't get to depart male? Well, I can't do, I can't do depart male or depart female. I have to choose one in the, in the regression, right? Because the person that's leaving is either female or male. So I can't put them both in the same equation. So if I put depart male, it would be a negative. So is that driven by? Because you have such a big male attack. Is that driven? Right, but that's just because this is just a dummy variable of whether the departed person. So it should be so gender match rather than depart female, right? No, this is if it. No, this is if a female departs, do you pick a female? And what I could, if I had depart male, it would oh. be negative. Oh, oh, right. So dependent, right? If yes. You pick male as a dependent. So that. Yes. Then you have depart male, and that probably would be also very significant because you got 65% from before. Sorry, yes. that was my mistake. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry. So, um, but here's what I want to show you. So, so I asked Keith, the, uh, you guys don't know Keith, like I asked Keith Orn, who's our statistics guru, who has written all about um, how to do various methodologies and stuff, and I said, you know, I've got this chi-squared in one study, and I want to compare it to the chi-squared in another study. Can I say that one chi-squared is significantly different than the other? And I said, I sort of remember these chi-squared difference tests from running structural equation models. And when you have nested models, you can subtract chi-squares and get, get um, at, you know, accurate counts of whether the chi-squareds are significant or not. But you can't do that when you have different samples and you don't have nested models. So apparently, this is the way that, this is the way that I can test what I wanted to do is test whether this is significantly different than the one that you saw for study two. Does the pattern look significantly different? And he said the way to do that is condition it upon who's leaving. So is it a male leaving or a female leaving? And then um, your, then your independent variable is what study is it? Is it the three candidate study or the six candidate study? And then who, who did you pick? Did you pick a male or did you pick a female? And so if you look, this is the data from study two. So remember it was about a 50-50 split if a male left or if a female left. It was, a, it was about a 50-50 split. And now you see for study three that there's more, much more likely to choose a male if a male leaves. So this is, this chi-squared is significantly different at 8.5 on one degree of freedom. It's highly significantly different. But basically what that means is that there's more gender matching when a male departs in study three than in study two. Here, when a female leaves, again, this is, these, this is what we saw before, 63% um, matching, 63% uh, likely to add a female when a female leaves in study two, and only 53% in study three. Um, so this looks really different 
But this is actually not statistically significantly different. So this is different. The, the chi-squared was 2.5, and the, the statistical significance of that is 0.1. So these actually are not different from each other. So in other words, it looks like they're doing less gender matching on the female in study three, but it not significantly so. And they're doing more gender matching for the males. Did I, did I, did I lose you guys? No? Okay, so basically my hypothesis is what the, will they do more gender matching in study three than in study two? It looks like yes, and it's mostly explained by when the, men, when the male, when a male leaves. Um, so it does look like it's stronger with more candidates. It does appear that it's mostly subconscious. Of course, and, and because in study three, the first grouping in your kind of pretest, you did it where you scrubbed out gender completely, and you saw then they would really focus on attributes of board service and experience. But once you put gender back in with the larger numbers, then you get the effects we just discussed. This is great. I've got, those were actually the sentences that were about to come out of my head. So if you'll remember, when you, if you compare this to the pretest, where there's no gender information, because of course there's no gender information, so they can't be choosing on gender. Right. Um, but when you do put gender information in there, then gender becomes a pretty salient variable that people are selecting on. And you could say, but, um, but that's good. We want, gender to be, we want gender to be salient. We want them to be selecting on gender. But it appears that they're not selecting by adding raw numbers of women. They're select gender seems to be triggering a gender matching rather than add raw numbers of women. That's, that's sort of what I'm getting to because I'm probably not going to have time to show it, but I've got, I've got five more studies <laughs> where, I, where I keep tweaking things. Like I, add the, I, I, I have added stuff that says, remember, diversity is really important in corporations. And so that's why, you know, because, because diverse boards make better decisions than non-diverse boards. And that gives you no, no less gender matching than on this basic. And, yeah. and just following up on that, what I think is really interesting is in part, regardless of which things tweak in which way for the moment yeah. before we get to the next set of studies, yeah. what this really tells us is there is the ability to change how people perceive and use gender in their equation. And that that's something that we probably, there are interventions that will shift that. Because when gender scrubbed out, so I think w what's really fascinating is then how does the framing part, how do we cue, you know, what's the demographic, you know, where can we tweak in the choosing? Yeah, and um, I think that's exactly right. And I, th right, so when you have no gender, then you're picking based on what they say they're using. And when you have gender, it influences it. When you have gender of the candidate. Yes, yes, Hannah. Is your application for for distribution of men and women in the candidate pool identical across these two studies? It is, it is. So I added, I added three more candidates, I added one more female and two more males. Which gets to, that's why I think that what you said is, because I have it, I switched it, I switched the distribution and I do have some different results. So, so I do think that might be, maybe that's part of it, is that it's not just status quo on who's leaving, but they're looking at the distribution within the candidate pool and saying that somehow the distribution on the candidate pool is what should be the distribution on the board, they're making that kind of matching. So that's different to no, 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 I'm getting to where it's different. I haven't oh. gotten there yet. Okay. Hannah's question was, is it the same? And it is. So it is I have six candidates. But that doesn't help us understand. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. And uh, if I have time, I'll show you that data. I'd love to show it to you. But for this one, for right now, we have two females and four males. 
Yes. Do you have any data on the people who made the selection as to if a man shows a man and a woman shows a woman? Is yes. Right, that's this. That? So if you're a female, you're significantly more likely to choose a woman. Okay. So and that never washes out no matter what you put in. So there is a main effect for women choosing women. So would that then explain in the larger pool at all if there were, since there were more men in the sample making the choices? Um, right. So I think what you're saying is because in study one, well, so then, well, so no. So in study one, we had 70% male, and in study two, we had, let me just remind myself, 60% male. But yet in study two, we're finding more males being chosen when a male leaves. We're finding more males being chosen overall. That doesn't quite, that doesn't, that can't explain that. So the, the, a, the gender demographic of the participant pool cannot explain why we get this being different than in study two. Have you interacted just with gender though with, with the part female? Mm. Not recently. I'm trying to remember if I did it in the first study or not. I don't know. I should do that. Mm. Yeah, I saw those hands. Yes. So, I mean, this sort of anecdotal, but given wisdom around this topic, I'm just sort of, it seems to me that the real question is, and you've got to sort of figure around gender when you put it into the equation of people's selection, is, is there a perceived number that is seen as enough women? I think yes. So, I mean, and that's because yeah. really the reason, arguably, that we're running in place, allowing for the gender matching, and you know, you can see this outside of boardrooms and other environments, is, and as somebody serves on boards and actually chairs nomination committees, you'll have that conversation like, well, do we really need another woman? Don't we have enough? I mean, people will say that sort yeah. of thing. And I mean, yeah. so, I mean, Kylos has done work on that. So it seems to me that the, the, you know, the edge of this ultimately is this issue of a perceived, well, we need some, within yes. the body of progressive companies, no less. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, there's not even aspiration of a 50-50. Yeah. Um, or a view that whoever is the best person will choose them because when it's a woman, if it starts tipping it over, like, I bet it's almost impossible to find a board that has more women than men. Yeah. You know, in a sort no, of classic No, I think you're so sample. right. This reminds me, I was having a conversation with my neighbor, and he, uh, you know, they they're so, they select all the time for their board, and I was, like, I was like, you know, I've got this big gender matching, you know, if a woman, the only time, they, they appoint a woman when a woman leaves, and he's like, yeah, of course they appoint a woman, we care about diversity. I'm like, no, but it's when a woman leaves, it's not one of it, you know? It's like, they, there's this different definition of diversity. This diversity is okay. We got enough now, and it, or, or there's the ceiling of some sort too, right, yeah. which I, I think what you're saying. Yeah, yes. This is about loss, the loss effect and the status quo. In that there's a fear of losing men. Yeah. There's a number, and that yeah. that's what's driving this. Yeah. And that the the um, the difference between the 65 and the choosing women to come onto the board is that it would be nice, but it's like having the same amount of money and losing it or keeping it or, or getting more money, yeah. and and that we're actually disproportionately triggering the fear response. No, so what you'll see in my very last slide is exactly that. Like, I think that's the next thing that we want to talk about is uh, what I'm sort of thinking about doing is now having it be like, so, and your assistant th thinks that X is the best candidate. And then you have to evaluate, so X is either male or female, and then you have to maybe evaluate, like, um, just just things about how, how productive do you think the board will be or how, you know, how, how well do you think the company will do so that I can get at when a female's selected and a male's leaving, 
are they more likely to think, oh, there's going to be some problems, like either some internal conflicts or just somehow overall productivity but going down? I or think it, 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 it's just that we're losing the status quo. Mm -hmm. We don't want to lose the status quo. Mm -hmm. There's a new status quo that's cre creeping up that's one woman. Mm -hmm. um, and we, but we don't want to lose, so when you lose a man, you really want a man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you, you, you don't really don't want much more than a woman because that's not the status quo. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what I should do next to see to see how and to to see if it's more than just a basic loss change aversity effect, or if there's a specific loss that they're fearing. Yeah. I wanted to do. I want to do both. Yes. Now you're talking about corporate boards here, and I think it makes sense that we're you know, finding these balances, these gender balances in corporate boards. And I'm interested in. Uh, you know, and other types of boards. So I would imagine that you find exactly the reverse effect going on in non-profit boards, where you'd have more women on the board, and then you appoint, you know, a certain number. You have to have a certain number of men because the not-for-profit boards that I've been on have a hard time finding men to be mm -hmm. on them. Uh, and then you've got government boards, you know, the government agencies, and, and so what is the distribution of? Because those are important decision-making bodies as well. Mm -hmm. What is the distribution and the patterns that go in there? So I think there's some really interesting stuff that you're doing, but I think we have to think about it also more broadly in, in terms of other types of decision-making bodies yeah. no, and where you. these patterns might work out. Trying to piece myself into into one of the participants yeah. in this experiment yeah. situation, and and I think that if I would answer questions like this, I I would have a feeling that someone had already optimized. So that, that the previous situation was somehow optimal for reasons that I may not know anything of. And that is, of course, different if you're part of the study as compared to if you're part of this process all the time and you, you know what, what you knew last year as well. And I'm thinking whether it may be, may be something that has to do with that that gives rise to a situation that they just want to replace, they would ideally, if there was a person who had the same gender, the same function, the same, the same education, the same amount of years of expertise, they would pick the most similar person. And here it turns out that gender is the criteria that is easiest enough to match on because there are only two, man mm. and, and woman, and the other ones are too complex, mm. so they can't keep it in mind. I wonder if that would explain any of the effect, or a lot of it, no, or no. if it's gen really gender specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what would I, what would I, what would you want to see tweaked in order to test to get definitive response For that example, that this what's underlying status quo is an assumption of prior optimization or something like that? I don't know. One thing that comes to mind is to to run something very similar, but not have as much variation in the other criteria as well. So, so maybe only have have newcomers and uh, so people with two years of board experience and people with 20 years of board experience and see if something similar happens there. If, if, it's, a, if it's a person with two years of experience that le that's leaving, that they want to replace it with someone with two years, if, if there's less variation there. Getting at the pre-optimization I think is much harder, um, but maybe doing it repeatedly or starting by selecting a new board and then getting back to the decision. But yeah, I, I would need to think more about it. But that, that's just how I feel that I would feel if I was seeing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I could, so this doesn't quite answer your, this doesn't quite get at what you're doing. But um, I'm surprised nobody brought it up yet. Like, of course, I'm matching into, and you gave them no other information about the candidate that's leaving. So then I realized I had to give more. So like I said, you know, this stuff is like crack. I just keep tweaking something and running it again, tweaking it and running it again. 
But I did a bunch of studies where, or not a bunch, the, the subsequent studies I did, I always now had more information about the candidate that's leaving. Um, but I did make it the mean. So remember I told you that the range of board experiences, or the range of ages between 45 and 68, so I picked the mean as, the, the, I picked the mean on all these things. So what you're saying is pick a more extreme, like two years, um, two years experience on the board and see if that's matched by have seven years as one alternative and not keep seven as the as the mean then but have seven years of experience and 37 or something like that just just so to make it just to, just to make it binary mm -hmm. yeah just as uh, just as gender is kept binary here keep the other variables binary as well in the, in the candidates yes Can I show you just the data yes. and then I'll get all the questions? <laughs> yes. Then I'll just get all the questions. So basically, similar, although for some reason only 50% male there, but you know, pretty similar demographically. So here are the raw counts for this, these studies where now, now remember we've highlighted to say, by the way, gender's really important. Oh, I didn't read you that little prime. Because a diverse mix of people on a board who bring different skills is, and different perspectives is good for the company. You've asked the recruiting team to bring you a slate of six different candidates from which you can choose. So, you know, I'm highlighting that gender is important here. That's the last thing they see before they see the resumes and pick. And they now just see six or from three? Three, six. six. Always six, six now. Not always six months. now. Yeah, always six. six now. Sorry, always six now. And so now you can see. So when I highlight the gender is important, now it's about 50 50. So before it was, remember, it was 56. You don't remember, but I'm sorry, it was 56 uh, male. And then when I say gender is really important and I give a whole bunch of characteristics, other characteristics about the candidate, now they're, they're adding more women, but honestly I don't, this, you'll see actually that this is not significantly different than the first study when I show you the re regression, so I don't wanna make too much of that. What I do wanna show is that there does seem to be a gender matching, but again, it's not, it's not always consistent in where the gender matching is going on. Like I can tell you that that um, that when a male leads you're more likely to select a male. When a female leads you're more likely to select a female. Like these numbers are significantly different. This chi-squared is significantly different and so is this one. But um, it doesn't always seem to be in a systematic way for me. Which is something that's a little bit confusing to me. I don't quite have my head around what's going on there. Um, and they always say that, you know, the board experience and the other board memberships are really important, or the mix of them is important, and gender is always something that's not ever espoused as being important, not ever stated as being important. And uh, this, is, this is the logit for studies four and five. Study four was the diversity prime, but no information about the candidate. Study five was the diversity prime, and additional information about the candidate. And so what, what seems to be consistent is when a, if it's a female participant, they pick a female. Republicans are less likely to pick a female, but that doesn't surprise any of us. <laughs> um, but there is no main effect. That you're no more likely to pick a study. I know this looks, this looks like more, but it's not significantly so when you control for the other criteria. So there is no main effect in study five that you're more likely to pick a female than in study four. And you get the depart female being significant, and you don't, and there's no interaction term that's significant. 
And if I could then just indulge you with one more set of, mm -hmm. one more set of, okay. Because this no, stuff, stuff is really cool. So then what I did is I varied the mix. Now, so now I've got diversity is really important and I varied the mix and now two of the current, two of the current board members are female and seven are male. So instead of it being a three six on the current board, it's now two seven. But we still seem to get that gender matching. And um, again, when I add it to the equation, so now what, this is all the six candidate studies. So it's the first one that had no diversity information. This second one had diversity is important. This one had diversity is important and individual characteristics of the candidate. This had diversity is important, individual characteristics of the candidate, and only two women on the board to start with. And it kind of looks like, all right, when there's two women, now you're more likely to add a woman just in raw number terms, but not when you put in this variable of whether a female or a male left, then this, this effect goes away. So it does look like, so even getting to this, you know, initial distribution information, that you just get this really strong effect for gender matching. But it's not consistently that it's always the women leaving that it's the woman or it's the man leaving that it's the man. It's just, it's significantly, the only thing I think you can say is that it's significantly different across males and females leaving. Those, that chi-squared, that crossover is what's happening. It's not that it's always explained by when a woman leaves, a woman gets put on. When there was three candidates and I run one study, that's what it was. But it does seem now that it's more that you get this gender matching. Um, two men on the board and seven women on the board. And then I thought, well, and so I ran that. And then I thought, oh, shoot, I screwed up because I still kept two female candidates and six and four male candidates. So then I said, well, let's just do the whole two by two. So now what these studies are, <laughs> I know you're like, oh, my gosh. What these studies are is, um, so now let's look at just study six, seven, and eight, and nine. I'm comparing everything here to um, study one. but. So this is two women on the board and two female candidates. Okay, so that's the one that I just went over. Two women instead of seven, instead of three. Two women and seven men and two female candidates. This one is two men on the board and four male candidates. This one is two men on the board and two male candidates. And this is two women on the board and four women candidates. Okay? Now you start to get main effects for whether or not you add a female in general, regardless of who's departing. And what you see is a significant negative effect here. So in other words, when there are only two men on the board and seven women, and there's four male candidates, then you're significantly less likely to add a woman, right? We expect that. If there are two women on the board and four women candidates, then you're significantly more likely to add a woman. So the one thing that really does seem to push, and, and by the way, I'm not showing you the interaction terms, but they are not significant, and um, uh, this remains significant even when they uh, are added in. 
because the, the rest of the equation has just got too long, so I cut it off because it's not interesting. But the interaction terms are in. And when those interaction terms are in, this still remains significant. This is P.0001 or something. I mean, it's zero. It's, I, it, it doesn't go out that far. The SPSS doesn't go out that far. But um, so when you have two women on the board and four candidates, if they're the majority now, if they're the majority in the pool, then there's a main effect for adding a woman. If the men are the majority in the pool, there's a main effect for adding the men. But regardless of all that, regardless of all those main effects, you still get this gender matching. Even accounting for the main effects, you get this gender matching. And as I said, there's no interactions. There's no significant interactions between the study and whether or not a female departs, which means the pattern of depart female does not significantly, the pattern of whether a woman or man departs doesn't change significantly across the studies. But if you do want to add raw numbers of women, it looks like the best thing to do is to put more than, is to put dominant women in the candidate pool. That's, that to me looks like what the, what, it doesn't matter to say diversity because when you say diversity, you're like, yeah, we got diversity, we got two women, you know? <clears throat> yes? I'm sorry, because I was just, I just, I did. I just left it alone. It was just too much of a big can of worms. For me. Absolutely. Well, just reflecting on the fact that we had the names Ellen and Mark and John. They and, were know, sort of presumably white. It was yeah. Mar another one's okay. were Margaret, William, okay. Robert. Okay. So, I mean, going forward, that, that could be really interesting, too, because if you are then prompted um, to consider diversity and you have the names of um, possible candidates that don't um, they sound Hispanic or African-American. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that could lead to a different response. I think you're right. And there's literature that will support that, you know, where they give this exact same resume and they change the candidate's name. Who do you yeah, want to yeah, hire? Absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to leave that constant and look at the gender stuff. It was a conscious choice to leave it alone. Okay. But I do think you're right. I think your instinct is right. Yes. This, and still, I think there's so many. I don't know. Joanne made a comment about the distribution across sectors of people on boards. And I don't know your name in the white sweater, but Joanna? Joanna? Mm -hmm. Joanna. Jonah. Okay, Joanna and Jonah. Oh, that was easy. Okay, so, so forgive me. So, um, anyways, I, I, I think it's very interesting this idea of like what are the what are the evaluators, your participants, reading from the data that you're providing with regard to normative expectations. And so, you know, it could be that if you provide them with a with a with a candidate pool that is majority women, that you're implicitly signaling, you know, one of two things: either that women are the best, you know, that the among the out there, the candidate pool women are the best, which would sort of fit with Heilman's work, right? Just tie that in a moment. But or it could be that you know, it's, it just signals all the more to them you're supposed to be choosing a woman if you're giving them a, a female dominant candidate pool, you know. But like looking, so so one possibility is they, they just think you're doing they're doing they're sort of doing what you're supposed to be doing given yeah. the signaling you're yeah. giving them. Yeah. But if you think also about like Heilman's work where she did that interesting stuff where she manipulated the percentage of women in an applicant pool, mm -hmm. and she showed that people were more when women were in the minority of the applicant pool, people were more derisive or cr critical, negative mm -hmm. on their criteria than when there was a healthier number of women in the um, candidate pool, and it's a really old study. Do you remember that study? It's a very, it's a very, it's an interesting one. It just shows how it's sort of the shift in context. But I wonder if you like shifted 
going back to this idea of is there some sort of minority, is there some sort of threshold of expectation with regard to women? Like if you manipulated the context, um, the gendered context in which the board was being requested, so if you had like social services versus finance versus manufacturing versus, I don't know, you know, government agency, I think that there would be sort of a gendered expectation that like better companies in finance only have minority women, right? Because guys are really good mm -hmm. at finance, mm -hmm. right? Whereas mm -hmm. better nonprofits that work for children have more women because women are better on these types of mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like a, um, it's almost like a field expectation. Like you're, you're like a, no, you would almost be undermining the signaling of the firm or of the organization if you've got some wacky distribution if you're the social service ah. agency, if you're for kids, but you, you, have, you have majority men on your board, like kind of what's wrong with you, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you're the finance or manufacturing and you've got majority women, like does that start then signaling that there's something, that you're a deviant in essence in the field? Yeah. And so yeah. I wonder whether or not it would make sense to, you know, if you're interested in that threshold issue to look a little bit at, you know, context as an interpreter uh -huh. of what the distribution should be. and. And you know, gender. Assume, assuming that more, you know, that more gendered fields are would would have then expectations of gender congruent competence and. So what you're suggesting is varying company industry. Yeah, right? you could vary industry. You could, or, or you could get so broad as varying sector or something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. if you really wanted to. Mm -hmm. And it goes mm -hmm. back to you know, mm -hmm. where women are appointed you know, to yeah. you know, portfolios that deal with social welfare and health as opposed to the yeah. financial portfolios. So what is the content yeah. of gender? Is it is it lack of individual competence or is it ooh we're starting to look weird for a finance yeah. company for fifty fifty? Yeah. Like yeah. could that even send it? And you right. started out this talk saying, oh well, you add all those women on the boards, do the companies perform as well? You know. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting for the whole intersect to see again those groups. Are those groups um, innovative overall, or are they just this is finance and this is not? Yeah, profit. I was going to ask that one too. Yeah, the size of the size just of the to look at that, that, that intersect again. Yeah. So, um, uh, right. All I can say is yes, because I don't, I can't, I can't talk about that data with a lot of credibility. I think, um, so I did some stuff for the U.S. Chamber um, on publicly available data, the, uh, the Executive data set, and what we did find was that um, large cap companies were more likely to have women in the top five people that were paid than small cap companies and medium cap companies. So larger companies were doing a little bit better with the gender balance than they were the small and medium cap companies. Um, but that's the uh, executive comp data is um, real squirrely. I don't know if you guys have ever worked with it, but it's you know it's it's the, who are the top? It's their publicly publicly available publicly um, traded companies are required by the SEC to report their top five earners and gender of those top five earners, and well as a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's not necessarily the most the, the top management of the firm, but it's sort of a proxy that people use. But it's 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 imperfect. Yeah. Wanted to give you another um, application or motivation for your um, diversity uh, framing results, and that is that one important approach in this country and in many other countries is uh, to ask companies to explicitly consider diversity and then to report it to the SEC. There's uh -huh. an SEC ruling. Uh -huh. Here's how you have to uh -huh. do it. Uh -huh. And my concern has always been that that doesn't do anything. Uh -huh. Basically, is what you're finding. Uh -huh. So we can actually connect you with someone, Aaron Deer, who was a fellow here at the Women in Public Policy Program, who's looked at the disclosure rules across the world. Yeah. And have they 
patterned, yeah. just in correlations, that's and really he doesn't nice. find much. And I think that's exactly what you're finding. That's really, you know, I, funny, I added that diversity problem because I was telling my data to this colleague of mine who's next door, this finance professor, and she sits on a bunch of boards, and she's like, no, Kathy, I'm telling you, we talk about diversity all the time. We talk about diversity, and I was like, all right, well, let's have these people talk about diversity, you know, or see if it, see if it matters at all. But I do think a next really good step, and she's going to hopefully hook me up with them, is there's this society of corporate directors or something like that that's, that's in D.C. NACD, and what? The National Association of Corporate Directors. Yes. NACD. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, so she's talked to them a bunch of times. She's given talks for them. And it would be great to have them do this, right? So they're, if I could get them in a controlled laboratory environment, but they are really the <laughs> experts, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking maybe I could volunteer to do negotiations training in return for them going out. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> Victoria just cued me. She's like, Hannah, I'm so, I'm so captivated. I'm just listening to the conversation. I'm not even watching the clock. So thank you so much. This was fabulous. I'm not like jumping the phone. We really got wheels turning in the room. So this is great. And I hope you'll come back for next week. We've got um, Muriel Niederley, a professor of economics from Stanford, is going to, well, I'm guessing, talk about competition, but I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right, great. Thank you. Hope Thanks to all of you for all yeah. your ideas. Yeah, yeah it's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs>